Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Do it. All right. Three, two, one. Well, 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 the NFL offseason is officially here for all 32 NFL teams. And today we will be talking about all the storylines you need to follow, including some sneaky big ones, some that not many people seem to be talking about right now. But of course, in case you didn't realize, there was a big game over the weekend. So we will quickly recap the Super Bowl and all of our predictions, which, by the way, we totally got right. We totally got all of them right. 100% hit rate for sure. 100% of them. Yep. And we will get to some of the hot takes that people sent in last week. Spoiler alert, they didn't fare so well. So we'll recap all of that, preview the offseason a little bit more, all right here on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, sponsored by Link Me. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network, alongside the nifty Cole Topham of Chargers Wire. We were supposed to have a guest today, but she wasn't feeling so great. So we'll hope to have her on next week for our 25th episode. It's kind of hard to believe that today's our uh, Kobe episode, man, and that the season, it's already flown by. We're in the offseason now. Yeah, it's its crazy to see like the lifespan of, of BFP and the end of our first NFL season you know, covering in, in podcast format. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to reflect on, man. I think it was a, it was a crazy season. Definitely not as crazy as, as last season, but still plenty of moments to, to reflect back on. And especially this game, like I, I thought this was a good Super Bowl, mostly because there was scoring, there was moments, um, there was controversy, but I felt like the game was competitive, like throughout the entire, you know, 60 minutes of the game. And I think Super Bowl, expectations you know kind of kind of dwindle if the AFC team is more overmatched than the NFC team and vice versa and I think this was the best case scenario what we could have hoped for yeah it was a good game and were we spoiled coming into the game of course we were we had some of the greatest if not the greatest round of playoff games we've ever seen so I get why some people thought this game wasn't as great but it really was a lot of good defensive play too. You got to give appreciation to the defenders for sure. Aaron Donald, (laughs) especially. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get into that. In fact, why don't we, why don't we start right now? We can look through real quick, all the predictions we had on last week's show, see which ones we got right. See which ones we got wrong. I will say that I predicted the Bengals to win uh 30 to 27 you had the rams winning 35 27 so you got the right team a little we went a little over on scores in fact we both said that it was going to hit the over of 48 and a half points didn't happen it was just short with 43 points so one more touchdown things could have changed there um you also said that the rams would hit the minus four uh spread i said they wouldn't so did you get you got that no, you didn't get that right. <laughs> no, but I guess no one, no one really did for the most part. A lot of people put on Rams minus four, which I found interesting. Did I, did I? Oh, great. Um, are you there? God damn it. <laughs> yeah, it lagged a little bit there. It lagged. Have you been having any like lag issues at all? Mm-mm. No. Okay. All right. So we'll just keep an eye on that. <clears throat> No, that's an easy clip. Um, 
So over under Rams. I see here. And then we both said that both teams would hit their individual overs. The Rams were at 27 and a half. The Bengals were at 21 and a half. That did not happen. Interestingly enough, the first half over unders was set at the Rams 13 and a half and the Bengals 10 and a half. It was 13 to 10 at halftime. So we were both wrong on those as well. I guess Vegas knows something. <laughs> and for our credit, we did talk a lot about how this won't be like a high scoring 40 point, like 30 point game. But I don't think either of us saw it being that low scoring, although it kind of fits what both teams have really produced and allowed the other teams to produce in the offseason. Uh, so let's get to the individual awards. We said to be the winning team's quarterback. It wasn't. It was Cooper Cup. Did you think Cup should have won it or that was Donald's award to lose? I mean, it, it's just cherry on top of a spectacular season for Cup. But it's really hard to argue with what Aaron Donald did in terms of pressure on Burrow down the stretch. And, I mean, you saw Aaron Donald after that final sack on Burrow, just like, you know, tapping or to his, his finger, like, it's time for my ring. And, it's, yeah, like Aaron Donald has been bedrock of that Rams defense for so long, and there's a reason why he stayed in LA for so long. And it's, it's, when, it's when big players – make big plays and big time opportunities. And that's exactly what Aaron Donald did. And yes. Like Cooper cup had the final touchdown, you know, over, over Eli Apple, but it was really the Rams defense that won that game, I would say. And it all starts with Aaron Donald. You know, what's interesting too, is that MVP votes close with two minutes left in the game, which to me is ridiculous. Like shouldn't that's it be easy odd. to just tally it when the game ends? It sounds like a problem that you could have had 20, 30 years ago. But for right now, let, let the MVP voting continue on until the, the clock hits zero. Because I think a lot of people might have said it'd be Donald. And had he won it, I would not have argued. But I'm not arguing against Cup either. Greatest single season receiver, a single season by a receiver in NFL history. Which is ironic because it seems like the two best seasons in, uh, for a wideout in the history of football came with Matthew Stafford at quarterback in Calvin Johnson and Cooper cup. What's that say? What can you say? Like that, that guy's just a facilitator. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like at, at the quarterback position, honestly, like I, I knew this, this time where like Stafford being a Super Bowl with the Rams would come. I didn't think he'd come in the first year, you know, like maybe adjusting to a new system, McVay and him, like they need time to mesh. I expected them to be good. I didn't, I didn't expect them to be Super Bowl ready, like in their first year, but it, it just really shows you like Sean McVay, he was really looking for that last piece of his offense. And, you know, he finally found it in Cabo with, with Matthew Stafford. <laughs> Do you know that story? Oh yeah. 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 For those who don't, they just so happens to be there. And it turns out like that was the like nail in the coffin. Oh man. I really want to <laughs> just work so with this happened. Guy. Oh, oh, interesting. Interesting. Might need to look a little bit into that. Uh, Mr. Roger Goodell. Speaking of Stafford, though, we said both he and Joe Burrow wouldn't hit 350 passing yards. Oh, wait, no, you said Burrow would. Neither of them came really close. Um, I said neither of them would. We did say that Joe Mixon would hit 80 rushing yards. Neither of, of us said Akers would. Akers had 21 rushing yards, so he yeah. was far from it. Mixon fell eight yards short. I know, man. And uh, I was like, uh, he was actually doing work in the first half too 
And mm-hmm. like the Bengals had a lead that you saw they were getting more reliant on the run. And yeah, Mixon was eating, man. Like I think a few more carries, like if they, if the, if the Bengals hold on to that lead a little bit longer or stretch it, like stretch the field a little bit more then Mixon gets his, his 80 yards rushing and we feel a little bit better about ourselves, mm-hmm. but yeah, eight yards short, man. I think that was, it was a good bet to make. Yeah. And you know, it sucks because a lot of people also parlayed that with his receiving yards. He saw six targets. He caught five of them all for one yard. The first time <laughs> in the postseason, he hadn't even hit 25 receiving yards. So a lot of people, myself included, uh, were disappointed in that. Uh, as for some other receivers, we both hit, or at least I hit, that T. Higgins would hit 100 receiving yards. Uh, he had 100 exactly, so that might have been a push depending mm-hmm. on how you bet it. You said he wouldn't. Uh, we both decided to go with the flyer, Van Jefferson, saying he was going to hit 60 receiving yards. He did not. He had 23. But arguably, he had the biggest dub all night because by now everyone should know that his wife went into labor during the game. He wins the Super Bowl. PR staffer comes out, says, Van, Van, your wife's in labor. We got to get you to the hospital. That's exactly what happened. So double dubs for Van Jefferson. Gator great right there. Good for him. And it, then, it's really hard to have like a, a night better than Van Jefferson had mm-hmm. winning the Super Bowl, celebrating on the field with your teammates and your kids. And then your wife has a baby in the hospital and you get you get to welcome a new member of the family. Like it just doesn't get much better than that. Mm-hmm. Another player who had a pretty good game, too, by the way, was Jesse Bates. And I said he was going to get the first he interception. He did not get the first interception, but he did get an interception later on. Uh, Ernest Jones almost had one too, and we had kind of talked about that. If a linebacker was going to get an interception, so that would have been – I would have been going for Cirque. Dang. Hmm. Yeah, I was it bad. froze I was again. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, I wonder what happens. Do you want to switch your Wi-Fi real quick? I switched mine, so see if it's. Oh wait, you know what? I'm gonna switch mine because it says mine's bad. Okay. Hopefully, it doesn't change how it's recording. So one sec. Okay. You there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Still says it's recording. Cutting on thin ice right here. Yes. <laughs> Sucks. I hate this Wi-Fi recording. Recording ice. All right. We'll see. Hopefully, we're good. Um, now onto the random props. Onto some random props, though. Heads or tails, baby. We both locked it in at heads. That's 50, go. 50 chance, man. Yeah, I flipped a coin live on the podcast to see if I was going to say head or tails and it landed on head. So I said head. So that's good. Uh, we did both say the Rams would win it, which they did not. The Bengals won it, which is now like, I think eight straight Super Bowls where the team that's won the opening coin toss has lost the game. That's not that's a crazy streak. That is absolutely bonkers. Uh, score, we kind of already talked about. Game total, we both said it would end odd. We got that one right. National Anthem, a lock to be over 98 seconds. Yes. We locked that one in. <laughs> um, I actually ended up going back and watching Cooper Cup's MVP speech, too, because we said that he would thank his teammates first. It was a little weird because he talked about his teammates. Then he talked about God, and then he thanked his teammates 
So I think that's a W for the teammates, yeah. which were the most favorable odds by far. Um, they did not show Joe Burrow smoking a cigar. We went out on a whim and said they would. Uh, Gatorade color, you got it right. You said it'd be blue. I told you, man. I told you it was going to be blue. There you like go. Like Rams, LA, SoFi, SoCal. Like it just had to be blue. <laughs> All right. I said it was going to be a somewhat yellow, wasn't it? Maybe it never will be again. It seems like it's on a blue-orange streak. Who would have thought it'd choose such awesome colors right there, blue and orange? Um, and then we had fans send in hot takes and we had six and spoiler alert none of them were right Lamar <laughs> chase getting shut down there will be at least two safeties thaddeus moss breakout game vaughn miller has five sacks and a forced fumble and win his second super bowl mvp he played well but not yeah. up to that so sorry to monkey underscore nuts underscore you dig uh, mcpherson kicking four field goals and breaking vinatieri's record by kicking the game-winning field goal and being the first kicker to win the super bowl mvp didn't happen. McPherson played lights out as always. And then baseball bro said Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup would both hit 120 receiving yards. Neither eclipsed 100. Both played well, though. Obviously, Cup a little bit better, though. So those were our predictions. Any that stood out to you that we got wrong or right? Not at the moment. I will say, you know, McPherson, he didn't win Super Bowl MVP, but he had a, a the best seat in the house for the halftime show. Mm. And I think that is respectable that he that he stayed out there and got to witness. I thought was like the best halftime show I've ever seen. Mm. Maybe that's just because I, you know, like hip hop and and trap and and rap. But I thought that was amazing and just incorporating all of those personalities and artists and so many hits over the years. I thought mm. was was just a great touch. The music was awesome. I loved. How I love like those type of performances where they would bring in these random artists. Like who saw 50 Cent coming, you know, hanging upside down. That was awesome. Yeah. I loved uh, back in the day when it'd be like, oh, who, who's going to be the guest? And then they'd introduce someone and be like, oh, what? Like that wasn't leaked because there was no Twitter back in the day. So that was cool. <laughs> I thought the first half of it, like before Kendrick got on, was a little a little slow for TV. But then like Kendrick happened, they started doing camera movements and like that really picked it up. Ironically. A lot of people are complaining who were at the game that they couldn't hear or see it really well. Mostly the sound. Like there were hmm. people posting videos of themselves in the higher up areas of SoFi Stadium. Like I can't really hear what they're singing right now, which to me, I thought that was a perfect performance for people at the game. Not as great for people on TV, but still one of my favorites for sure. Great music too. I was kind of bumping to Dr. Dre like the later that night, just going through all his hits as well. So I guess check mark, they got that served for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if that's just because like sound doesn't travel that far just because SoFi is so expansive or I, I do remember like w only one side of the rectangle that they were standing on was like facing the crowd. Mm -hmm. And the rest of it, like there weren't any other dancers on the other side or, or any music artists. So right. I wonder if that's why people didn't enjoy it as much at the game. But yeah, definitely a different performance compared to the weekends a year ago where it, it kind of seemed like the camera followed him around like the stadium. And there was like, you know, different costume changes and uh, choreography with the dancers. But I guess like when you have a solo artist, like the weekend, you can be a little bit more religious in, in how you design 
like the set and and the way like the halftime mm-hmm. show is going to do when you when you have that many artists like snoop and dr dre and eminem and 50 cent and they're all they're all like performing at, at different areas of of the of the set then i guess it gets a little bit harder if you could have any artist or bands currently alive perform a halftime show who would it be putting you on the spot here dude i mean like i know travis scott already performed and i know travis scott isn't very popular right now either <laughs> um and he 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 performed what was it um was it Maroon 5? That Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, I want to see Travis do like his own set because I think that would be nuts. Like you you just know Travis would go all out for the for the Super Bowl mm-hmm. roller coasters, uh, you know, different pyromaniac like effects and 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 different just different like mix-ups. I, I think it would be crazy if if Travis did it. Mm-hmm. Seeing what Kendrick did in his like, I guess, solo spots in the performance only made me want to see a Kendrick Lamar halftime show more. Yeah. I just think the choreography would be off the charts. He's one of my favorite artists. So that would be a lot of fun. If Roger Goodell, if you're listening to this, let's get Kendrick Lamar. Let's get Kate at his own halftime performance, please. And if Kendrick, you're listening to this, please go on tour again. I'd love to catch you live. Well, uh, I thought so- it was interesting because, um, it was like the first hip hop group to perform at the Super Bowl, like as like mm. the main, um, as like the main like artist that was there, mm. which I thought was interesting. And I, I guess we'll see what happens in the future. But I'd like to see more hip hop artists, you know, to to main the event. Um, I think, you know, pop artists are, are great, but it, it kind of seems like the generation that watches the NFL, like my mine and yours generation, like really enjoys that type of music more than. Um, some like the mainstream pop artists. So mm. it'd be it'd be interesting to see the NFL include a little bit more diversity in their in their artist selections for the for the big game. For sure. Well, we could talk about the Super Bowl and halftime performances we want to see all day long. But right now we're turning toward the offseason with three storylines that we each are super excited to follow some of them pretty high profile. Some of them things that could really impact fantasy football yet aren't being talked about as much. So why don't we dive into this? You can go first. We'll just keep rotating with our storyline. So what's the first storyline that you're looking forward to this off season for fantasy football? Yeah, we're going to look at Trey Lance's ADP go from here all the way pretty high to insanely high because okay. we we know what the 49ers are going to do with your with jimmy garoppolo this season right i mean the dude he couldn't get it done the postseason he got injured couldn't make the necessary throws he's out of here whether it's it's, it's probably by trade the 49ers will find a suitable partner but lance is going to be the starter for san francisco and that's was you know carved into stone when they drafted him at number three overall he appeared in three games this season uh he attempted 18 passes and scored at least 22 fantasy points in two of them so that just shows you lance with with limited preparation and you know he he was probably okay to start and and knew the offense well but i think we're going to see a different lance emerge from training camp you know next season 
just with a full offseason under his belt, um, a full season learning the Shanahan system with those playmakers. And I think that's only going to pay dividends for his connections with with Debo and, and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. So there's weapons in San Francisco. He's got a solid running game behind him. I just think Lance is the ADP is just going to skyrocket. I think there's it's it's possible we'll see him in the fourth round being being drafted as one of the top five quarterbacks off the board. I think that's how crazy this hype is going to get around Trey Lance. Kyler Murray-esque type of hype. Mm-hmm. Like we saw Kyler Murray being drafted as a top five quarterback like the last two off seasons, I think it was. And I'm glad you mentioned Lance because he was the top player I talked about in my new draft network article coming out. Uh, so the Thursday, Thursday morning about players I'm trying to target in best ball. And you kind of hit it on the head. It's going to be a different offense, similar, but different in a way that you can maximize the upside that Trey Lance clearly has that Kyle Shanahan thinks he clearly has. And that should be enough. And you, you look, at how he played last season. He was averaging like 17, 16 points across his three main games, two of which he started. That should be good enough for at least a solid floor for Lance. Then the upside, oh man, if he plays as well as he did in college, at minimum, he should be a top five quarterback. So I'm with you on that. His ADP is about a sore once people realize, hey, He's actually legit. Uh, I think to me, though, the biggest storyline, you know, we had to talk about it is where the hell Aaron Rodgers is going to play next season. Nobody seems to know. I don't even think Aaron Rodgers knows where he's playing. And it should be noted that if he wants to leave Green Bay, Green Bay kind of has to do it. Or that's $46 million on the books that they're leaving for next season just to let him walk a year later. Green Bay would have to trade Rodgers. And again, I don't think we should read too much into things. I know I've spent a lot of time doing that, especially on my TikTok. But at the same time, how can we not? Like with his NFL honors speech, Nathaniel Hackett, his offensive coordinator, who he praised going to Denver. Most overrated aspect of this whole Rodgers, will he, won't he, is will he move to Nashville and join the Titans because he's building a house there, which, by the way, I think people don't realize how many houses star NFL players have. I, think, I believe George Kittle has a house in Nashville, too. You don't see him wanting to go play there. So I have no clue where Rodgers will go. I don't think he knows where he's going, but the ramifications would be massive anywhere. If he stays in Green Bay, you would have to imagine they're going to try and go get another wide receiver to pair with Devontae Adams. Obviously, helps Adams' value, too. Uh, and who knows? Maybe Adams leaves. I think he gets franchise tag. But then it opens up the door if Rodgers does leave. Who is going to be the biggest benefactor of Rodgers? Go to Denver, Cortland Sutton, ADP through the roof. Go to Indianapolis, Michael Pittman through the roof. Pittsburgh, Chase Claypool through the roof. So the, the ramifications of this will be huge. I find it funny how you look at Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and now Matthew Stafford, all to leave their longtime team just to win a Super Bowl with their new team. I think that's something Rodgers could be thinking about considering how close he's been his whole career. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Probably going to be the biggest storyline, not just of this year, but of like the past few years, excluding maybe the Tom Brady news. Yeah, it's going to be another offseason carousel like regarding Aaron Rodgers and what he decides to do. He does have an opt-out in his contract that was put in place and as terms of conditions for him returning to the Packers. 
um, during during training camp last year or during preseason, my bad. Um, but I think what's what's interesting to note is I think Rodgers has a lot more power right now than he does last year in terms of what he wants the Packers to do. It's been pretty clear over the fat over the like last week or, or two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl that the Packers are committed to Aaron Rodgers. And that means find a new destination for Jordan Love. And it means do exactly what Aaron Rodgers says. And that means surrounding him with talent that the Packers have neglected to, to I mean, do exactly that, surrounded with, with talent over the last few years. So, I mean, I, that, that looks in to the free agency market for receivers. Maybe go grab Allen Robinson, take a look, a hard look at finding not just one, but maybe two potential playmakers in this upcoming draft in this pretty stacked wide receiver class in, in terms of depth. Um, I, I just think the Packers' hands are tied. You've got to do what Aaron Rodgers says you have to do if you're willing to make that commitment to him. Mm-hmm. And they will have their work cut out for them because right now I believe they have the second lowest amount of projected cap space way in the negatives, but they are the only team. And this is per gosh, I forget who did it, uh, but I have the link right here too. This is, this is per uh, over the cap potential restructures in cap space, a simple restructure for the Packers would not get them into positive cap space. They'd still be like negative 5 million deep. Whereas the saints who are down $72 million can still create over $100 million in cap space and have roughly 30 to spend. So the Packers are the team that's really screwed this free agency this off season. So it will be interesting to see, can they move Jordan love who will they have to get rid of to shed cap? Because yeah, you're right. If Rogers is saying, they clearly got to get him some help and get him some help fast, not just relying on the draft and potentially finding, say, the next Justin Jefferson. Who knows? Speaking of wide receivers, though, we're about to talk about a couple right here because we both got a storyline that has to do with wide receivers. So why don't you go first? What wide receiver are you keeping an eye on this offseason? Yeah, so it was Calvin Ridley wide receiver one agenda last season. You and I were both on it. And obviously that that didn't come to fruition because Calvin Ridley ended up stepping away from the team. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens in that situation. But another receiver I was pushing for the wide receiver one agenda. And this was before, you know, I hopped on the Ridley train. I know Ian Hartich over at Pro Football Focus was really on this train as well. But A.J. Brown, I just feel like, is an injury away from cementing himself at the top of like that wide receiver group and potentially being the wide receiver one, because when he's on the field, he is unguardable. He had five catches for 142 yards and a touchdown against the, this, the Super Bowl runner ups in, in the divisional round. So you're going to have to, you know, pay up a, a pretty premium for him. He's going to go in the second round. I mean, maybe, Maybe somehow he makes it into the third round, but I, I doubt it. Julio Jones, I'm not really confident on his chances at returning to the Titans offense. So we're going to see what happens with the rest of the Tennessee Titans receiving core. But this dude is the number one option. He has elite fantasy potential. He just needs to stay on the field and take care of his body. And, you know, a lot of those injuries aren't necessarily his fault, but it's the one thing preventing him from breaking out into that upper echelon tier of fantasy football stardom. So I want to see an AJ Brown push for the wide receiver one. And I think it's going to happen in this upcoming season. 
And he definitely has the talent to do so. He may have the targets to do so, especially if Derrick Henry does take a step back. I know, shocker, right? Who could have imagined that that would ever be possible? If that happens, who knows how they will rearrange that offense to feed A.J. Brown even more. So I'm kind of, I'll, be, I'll be with you on that one early. I don't know if I'm officially riding the A.J. Brown wide receiver one train. I kind of got my eye. right now, Zach. Huh? You're the caboose of the AJ Brown wide receiver. I'll take it. Right I don't now. know. I feel like I'm more just a passenger going by, moseying on to try to get to my true wide receiver one. Uh, <laughs> but, but speaking of wide receivers, you talked about him too, Calvin Ridley. I think my storyline that people really need to talk more about, Calvin Ridley could be on the move. But what about another NFC South receiver? Let's talk about Ridley and Michael Thomas, kind of the forgotten man in all this. And I can see why, like he's 29, 2020 season was the last full season. He wouldn't even play the full season. He played like seven games. It ended with an injury. He missed 2021 after re-aggravating that injury. It was a pretty big deal how he was not happy with how New Orleans handled it. And he still has three years left on a massive contract with a $24 million cap hit, but he also has an out this off season that could save the saints about $50 million over three years, including roughly 20 million this off season. And yeah, he was great. He had four seasons of 1100 plus yards and it kept getting better every time. But there is still this, this question of, is he more of an afterthought now looking at the influx of great young wide receivers that seemingly become the norm in the NFL? And then you have Ridley, who, despite not playing as long as Thomas, he is going to be 28 years old next season. This is another former fantasy darling. He had a breakout in 2020. He was definitely a fan favorite of the breakout football podcast. We have pushed the Calvin really wide receiver one agenda all throughout the season. And like you said, he left the team due to personal reasons, but even then he was still looking pretty darn good at the beginning of the season, averaging about 14 points per game. He saw the fifth most targets in the five games that he played this season. And I understand why there's a rumor that he could leave Atlanta because he didn't feel like being a part of the team for mental health reasons, which is totally commendable, you know? So that opens up the possibility of him taking a step of improvement in a situation he's more comfortable in. Of course, we don't know if he'll return at a high level. This is his last season on his rookie contract, which is kind of crazy to say about a 28-year-old. And it seems like the only veteran receivers, uh, the only veteran receiver to fall off, then kind of hop back on that that wave he was riding in recent years was Odell. Like, can you give me a good receiver who dipped and then kind of revived his career? I, I really can't. So to me, Ridley and Thomas could be the weapons certain teams need in the offense to really give them a boost. They could be. But it, it's more of a bigger fantasy picture as a whole because we don't know how they will play, which could present them as great bargains or players to avoid. Because I don't know if I take really as a top 10 receiver, but like if he's outside the top 20, top 30, how could you not? How could you not take that? And I think the same could potentially be said about Michael Thomas, depending on where he plays next season. Uh, clearly, both will be needed to be acquired by teams, though, with a lot of cap space. 
Thomas has his contract. Ridley will probably need to be getting one when he's traded to another team too. So something to keep an eye on for teams that need receivers. A team like Green Bay probably can't really afford them. Two teams to watch though that have the cap space may not have the immediate need right now, but Cincinnati and the Chargers, man, they have the cap space. If can you imagine Michael Thomas? Or another Michael Thomas, I guess, already is one on Cincinnati. Or Calvin Ridley with Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. It'd be unreal. Yeah, especially like Ridley replacing Williams like as like the X receiver. You have Williams, um, Keenan Allen, <clears throat> and um, sorry, not not Williams. Um, you have Ridley, Keenan Allen, and then just in the slot, maybe they draft someone. You have Austin Eckler as the receiving role. Like, just overclock the Chargers' offense. We want to see it. Just surround Justin Herbert with the utmost amount of weapons possible. And I honestly, like, they'd be my favorites for the Super Bowl at, at that point because I, I really buy into, like, the hype of the Chargers, the potential of that of that offense. And obviously, Justin Herbert, he's he's like the general, and he's, he's, he's controlling the destiny of that team at this point. Mm -hmm. the biggest the best the the most vital aspect to winning a super bowl these days for most teams not all teams seems to be having your young great rookie quarterback still on his rookie deal really allows you to <laughs> yep, build around that's the him. formula yep so we'll see what happens with those guys uh two more storylines one for each of us what's the last thing that you're really looking for in this young but exciting off season yeah, so somehow we're talking about ends, and I do bring them to the table this oh, episode. But I you... think it's because I I hit rock bottom this season when I was already at rock bottom the previous season about the position. So my th my thinking is we can only go up from here, right? We can only improve the trajectory of of this position, right? I mean the. The good thing about tight ends is I think they're like the good tight ends have good longevity. And I think there's, we're about to see like a golden age of the tight end position. We're just, we're not quite there yet, but we're almost there. And I think we saw that with breakouts from, you know, Pitts, Dalton Schultz, Dawson Knox was getting his red zone targets. I think Pat Fryermuth is really interesting on the Steelers. Um, and then, you know, Noah Fant was, was great here and there in, in, in stretches and, I don't know what happens to him in Denver if if he decides you know to move or 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 Denver moves him, but also the upcoming tight end class. You got Greg Dulcich of UCLA, Trey McBride, Colorado State, um, just really good pass catching options that can stay on the field for all three downs and really just impact a team. So I'm hopeful that we're going to see a tight end turnover. We're going to see more athletic tight ends that can, that can catch the football and, and just be versatile and, and be those, those options that can be there for their quarterback and rack up some, some targets, not just some red zone looks. So I am hopeful for the position. I I'm, I'm hopeful that the position takes a step forward in 2022 and becomes less like a barren wasteland. Let's hope, man. It's always a barren freaking wasteland. That's why I've always said, and you know it, I'll say it probably the 30th time in this podcast, you got to get one of the top tight ends. I did, however, include a tight end in my early best ball targets, you know, which is up net right now on the Draft Network. Uh, I said Pat Fryermuth. I like him, especially if he's like tight end 10, tight end 11, if that's his ADP. I'll take that for sure, just based on his upside alone. But after that, thumbs down. 
two thumbs down. I'm putting up two thumbs down <laughs> right now. I do not like any of these tight ends. But I Dan Arnold know. doesn't entice you anymore, Zach? Maybe, but like, is he going to be a guy I want to draft as my first tight end? Hell no. Maybe later in redrafts. Maybe. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on the tight ends. As always, I, I know you will because of how much you love tight ends. I say so sarcastically. Um, so with that, my last storyline. And I feel like it's one I get a lot on TikTok. Just people asking me about Jalen Hurts. And there is this big looming presence in Philadelphia. Because if he can progress as a passer this offseason, that offense will change drastically and probably for the better. As a passer, he had 16 passing touchdowns, nine interceptions. Not too bad, not too great. He only had a, he only threw for 432 times and completed just 61.3% of his passes. That was worse than all but like seven starting quarterbacks. It was the 26th best completion percentage rate. As a runner, though, and this is where he made his bread and butter this season, Philadelphia rewrote their offense to make up for the deficiencies he has as a passer. He ran 139 times, 784 yards, and 10 touchdowns. That is the most carries among all quarterbacks this season, tied for the fifth most rushing touchdowns overall. Look, People telling me that Jalen Hurts is not a franchise quarterback are just as naive as people telling me that he is a franchise quarterback because he clearly has passing passing deficiencies. But if he can make that progress in the offseason, and we've seen him progress as a player overall before, not only do I think he could be a franchise quarterback for Philadelphia, but I think he could be a great fantasy one too. He was quarterback seven in points per game. I think he can make the leap, and if he does – That helps everyone in Philly's offense. Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, whoever they bring in to replace Jalen Rager, because you know he's like Eli Apple. He is toast in that offense. So I'm not saying Hurts can be the next like Lamar Jackson, really make the leap like him, but it's not entirely out of the cards either. And if that happens, he's a fantasy golden boy. Cole, Jalen Hurts could be the guy to destroy fantasy leagues for the better next season if he just improves as a passer so hopefully we get updates on that all off season because that will be a huge factor in philadelphia yeah i'm just not sold on the fact that like jalen hurts has reached his potential as as like a passer like his ceiling like i i think a bunch of people on twitter have just made up their mind like oh like there's there's no upward trajectory for hurts to go in this offense and i'm like that's not true. Like he, he transferred from Alabama to Oklahoma and it was clear at Oklahoma. He was <clears throat> more accurate than his first few seasons at Alabama, which was ultimately got him benched for Tua. And he had a great season at Oklahoma, you know, throwing to, you know, CeeDee Lamb and just all those options in, in the Sooners offense came to Philadelphia and has already made strides in his passing. So he's making improvement every single year. Maybe it's not to like, you know, the Lamar-esque level of, okay, Lamar was struggling his first few seasons to hit receivers and then became one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league this season. Yeah, maybe he's not at that point, but I, I think he has, he, he's, he, there's room for him to make strides as a passer. And I, I'm not really sold on the idea, like, that it's impossible for it to happen, like, that we've seen the final pro- production of Jalen Hurts. Exactly. 
There's still so much that we don't know about him. So much we don't know about so many young quarterbacks. It's my biggest pet peeve when people try to judge a quarterback off of one, maybe even two seasons, unless, unless they hit one of the extremes, like a Dwayne Haskins or like a Joe Burrow. You can start to judge him a little bit. The chances that Joe Burrow falls off are slim, possible, but slim. Whereas Dwayne Haskins, on the other hand, look, he can make that jump. But like after his first two seasons in the league, I think we'd be pretty darn shocked if he becomes the next Brett Favre of football. Don't know why I used him for a comparison. It was the first quarterback that came to mind, but you got my point. You got my point. I'll be talking a lot more about those quarterbacks on my TikTok page at Zach Cohen, F-B-Z-A-C-H-C-O-H-E-N-F-B. If you want to hit me up on all social medias, you can at that username. Same thing with my man Cole. He's at Ham Analysis, H-A-M-A-N-A-L-Y-S-I-S. This has been the Breakout Football Podcast. Any any closing thoughts before we get to next week? We got some good stuff planned, so you better be downloading the episodes. That's how we make our money, people. That's how we make our money. And of course, I don't know. Just I think we're fun. I think we're a fun group to listen to. Right? Yeah, I think we have. I think we have good energy, even though it's the off season. Maybe a little bit more relaxed. Maybe a little bit more low key. But yeah, I mean, exactly that. It's the off season. Enjoy it. Um, but yeah, that doesn't mean you should slack on your research because you know your league mates are doing the exact same thing. They're downloading our episodes. They're taking in the same information. Mm-hmm. So while they're getting ahead, you better be doing the same thing. And we'll be with you every step of the way. So make sure you subscribe to us, Breakout Football Podcast. Follow us on all social medias. Hit us up for any of your, your off-season uh, ruminations. And yeah, we'll, we'll be here. That was a pretty darn good ad read for the show. Not bad, my man. Not mad. Of course, we are sponsored by Link Me, one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing uh, social media app. It's a link sharing app. You can put all your content on one page. The link's in my profile on Twitter, so you can see how it's laid out. That's Link Me, L-I-N-K-M-E. Join the revolution today. So with that, I'm going to go watch some more clips of the Rams Super Bowl parade. I don't know if you've seen any, but Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford are gone. Oh, yeah. They're sloshed. Uh, Hopefully nobody is throwing Super Bowl trophies across uh, the Pacific Ocean. I would hope they are. That's (laughs) a pretty high bar to reach nowadays, but I think it can be done in L.A. So let's keep an update on that because I – love super bowl parades i just want to go to them maybe 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 i'll fly up to buffalo for next year's who knows oh early prediction mm. okay. I, I think i think it's gonna be a cold weather team I, I don't know i think my early super bowl prediction is probably bills packers i think mm. i could see the chargers i could see the chargers but i think give me bills packers early super bowl prediction you yeah i, I could see the ice bowl 2.0 um that's interesting I think honestly, the Chiefs are out for revenge. I could see them, you know, going back for it. And I, I think they'll, they'll retain all their pieces. I think the defense will only get better. Maybe they invest in another option for Mahomes. I've seen Drake London in, in the NFL draft mocks to the Chiefs. And I, I don't know how, you know, close that projection will stay because I think London's draft stock is going to rise a lot after he tested the combine. But it's overclocking that offense once again. It would be pretty dangerous. Drake London and Kansas City would be lethal. I think every NFL team would need to be sued for letting that happen. <laughs> uh, with that, 
geez, that old voice crack at the end there. Nah, you know what it is? It's the pollen. It's it's I'm telling you, man, it's this <laughs> spring weather in Gainesville. I cannot speak properly. So with that, let's cue the outro music. This has been the Breakout Football Podcast. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network. That's Cole Topham of Chargers Wire and Devil's Digest and TikTok and the Good Men's Hair Club. I don't know, whatever. Cole, send us out. Yeah, enjoy the offseason, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.